Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 16. I waited to be crushed, and then waited some more. When I opened my eyes, the angry bees had moved to the side of the hive. They weren't even paying attention to me. I saw a single bee standing in the center of the hive floor. He was performing a kind of jumping, twisting hip-hop dance. Really? That's what you think hip-hop dance is? Okay. How weird, I thought. The other bees were watching intently, as if this were the most interesting thing in the world. Those bees didn't care about me, I told myself. They were trying to get me out of their way so this bee could do his dance. I realized I had wasted a lot of time. I had to keep searching for an escape route. I tried to push myself away from the group of bees, but the high floor had become too crowded to move. The bee danced faster and faster. He moved his body towards the right. All the other bees stared intently at him. What was going on? At that moment, something from my old big book of bees came back to me. I remembered the bees send out scouts to find their food. Then the scouts danced to tell the other bees where to go get it. If the scout was reporting on where to get food, that meant he had just been out of the hive. That meant there had to be a way out of this place. I was so excited, I almost started dancing. But I didn't have a chance because suddenly, all the bees in the hive rose up like a dark cloud. I spread my wings and flew up with them. As I followed, the bees formed a single, orderly line and shot out through a tiny hole in the far upper corner of the hive. I buzzed around till I found the end of the line. Then I got ready to escape. Would I make it? The very last bee in line, I shot out of the tiny hole in the open space. For a few seconds, I watched the other bees floating away, busily hunting for nectar and pollen. I knew I looked just like them. The difference was that they would return willingly to Andretti's hive. But I never, ever would, at least not if I could help it. I'm out, I cried joyfully in my tiny voice. I'm out. I'm free. Dazzled by the sudden bright light of the outer world, I flew around and around the beekeeping area. Then I headed for the hole I had seen in the screen when I was still in my own body. I knew it was on the wall to face my family's yard, but when I flew over to it, I stopped and gasped in disappointment. The hole had been patched up. Miss Randretti had fixed it. Oh no, I wailed. I can't be trapped. I can't be. My heart started thumping crazily. My whole body was vibrating. I forced myself to calm down and look around. None of the other bees were in the screened-in area anymore. They had already gone outside to collect pollen, and that meant there had to be another way out. I wasn't thinking clearly because I was exhausted, worn out from all my flying around. I sat down on top of the hive to rest. At that instant, the door between the beekeeping area and the garage opened. Good morning, my little bee friend, Mr. Andretti's voice boomed. What are you doing lying around on top of the hive? Why aren't you busy making me some honey? Are you sick? You know we can't have any sick bees around here. As I gazed up weakly, Mr. Andretti moved closer. His huge, dark shadow fell over me. I tried to curl up into a ball and disappear, but it was no use. His large fingers were stretching right towards me. I yelled in terror, but of course, he couldn't hear me. What's he going to do to me? I asked myself. What does he do with sick bees? Chapter 17 What does he do with sick bees, I wondered again, quivering in terror. He probably throws them in the garbage, I thought. Or even worse, he feeds them to his pet bird or frog. Despite my weariness, I knew I couldn't wait around to find out. I had to get out of there. Just as Mr. Andretti's fingers were about to fold around me, I shot up into the air and buzzed around his head. At the same instant, I saw some other bees flying in through a tiny hole in the screen. It was in the corner, near the ceiling. I buzzed Mr. Andretti's face one more time. Then I raced towards the hole. As I tried to squeeze myself out of the exit hole, I crashed right into another bee who was flying in. He glared at me and gave me an angry buzz. Frightened, I backed off and clung to the screen. I had to wait for a long line of bees to come back inside. It seemed to take them forever. When I was finally sure the last bee had come in, I leapt forward and shot out of the hole. I was out in the open sky. This time I really am free, I screamed in celebration, forgetting my weariness. And Andretti's never going to catch this bee again. I landed on a leaf and let the morning sun warm my back and wings. It was a beautiful day. 
A beautiful day for finding someone who could help me get back into my human body. Like a rocket, I shot straight up into the air and gazed around. I recognized the familiar creak of my father opening the back door of my house. Panting hard, I raced forward. My father called, Goodbye, hun. Tell the kids I'll see him tonight, over his shoulder and let go of the door. I darted into the house. The door slammed hard. Another near miss. I hummed with happiness. It felt so good to be back in my old house and out of that dark, sticky hive. I landed on the counter and gazed around the old, familiar walls. Why hadn't I ever realized how nice my house was before? Step, step, step. Someone was coming into the kitchen. I flew up onto the windowsill for a better look. Chrissy, maybe I could get her to listen to me. Chrissy, Chrissy, I buzzed. Over here by the window, it's me, Gary. To my delight, she turned and stared in my direction. Yes, I cried excitedly. Yes, it's me, it's me. Oh, terrific, Chrissy groaned. One of Andretti's dumb bees got in here again. Okay, so it wasn't exactly the reaction I'd been hoping for, but she still noticed me. Maybe, I thought, if I flew right onto her shoulder and spoke into her ear, she'd be able to understand me. Do you want to die? Do you? Because that's how you die. That's how bees get squished. One thing I'm not going to let happen is a bee flying on my shoulder. That's definitely not a wasp. Probably not, definitely not a hornet. Like, no, y'all ain't getting on my shoulder. A ladybug, sure. A roly-poly, that's funny. A bee, murder time. It's murder time. Murder time. Me and my friends, we're going to see how this bee's life ends. Derek Jones and all my listeners are about to start up murder time. Yes, I know the words. My heart vibrating my entire body. I lifted myself off the windowsill and soared towards my sister. Chrissy, I buzzed as I approached her shoulder. You have to listen to me. Hey! Chrissy screeched so loud I was afraid the glass in the windows would shatter. Get away from me, B! She started thrashing her hands in the air, trying to bat me away. Ow! I cried out as she slapped me. Stung with pain, I lost control and landed with a thud on the tile countertop. I raised my eyes in time to see Chrissy grab a fly swatter from out of the broom closet. No, Chrissy, no! I screamed. Not that! You don't want to do that to your own brother! My sister lifted up the fly swatter and thwacked it right down next to me. I could feel the rush of air from it, and I felt the entire counter shake. I screamed and quickly rolled to one side. Chrissy, I knew, was a menace with a fly swatter. She was a champion in our family. She never missed. The eyes on top of my head spun in terror, and in the gray blur, I could see the shape of the fly swatter rising up to slap me again and again. Chapter 18. Stop, Chrissy! I screamed. Stop! You're squashing me! <laughs> you did this to yourself, homie. With the strangled gas, I know I should be victim blaming, but seriously, like, he's scared of bees, so he should know what happened if a bee flew towards anybody. And you should also realize that your sister is kind of proficient with a fly swatter. These are all, you know what? With a strangled gas, I toppled off the counter. I hit the floor hard and struggled dizzily to my feet. Now I started to get angry. Why did Chrissy have to be so bloodthirsty? Couldn't she just open a window and shoot me out? <clears throat> Buzzing weakly, I floated up off the floor. Regaining my strength, I began darting wildly around the room, crashing into the walls and cupboards to show Chrissy how upset I was. Then I shot out of the kitchen. In a rage, I headed up the stairs to my room. If my sister wouldn't help me, I'd get someone else to help. Namely, the new Gary. The morning sun was high in the sky, but Gary was still sound asleep in my bed. Seeing him lying there so peacefully, so completely at home, made me even angrier. Wake up, you slug! I buzzed at him. He didn't move. His mouth hung open as he slept, making him look like a real jerk. Yuck, what a creep. I was sure my mouth never hung open when I slept. I decided to take action. I landed on Gary's face started walking around on it. I was sure my little insect legs would tickle him and wake him up. Nothing. He didn't move. Even when I stuck a leg up his nose, Gary slept without stirring. Why is he so wrecked, I wondered. Has he been wearing out my body? Furious, I ran across Gary's face and climbed down through his hair. Then I crawled into his ear. Buzz! 
I shouted as loudly as I could, Buzz! 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 Okay, wait. How do bees make buzzing sound? Okay, Playboy. Uh, the buzzing sound is the rapid wing beats of many species, which create wind vibrations that we hear as buzzes. You don't say buzz, okay? What you're not going to do is get up in somebody's ear and be like, buzz, 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 ding dong, buzz. Nah, don't do that. Don't use your mouth. Use your wings. Make the music with your wings, biz. Incredible as it seems, the new Gary didn't even budge. Just my luck. Dirt Davis was turning out to be the world's soundest sleeper. I sighed and gave up. I crawled off Gary's ear and flew around my old room, gazing down at my bed, my dresser, and my computer. My computer, I cried excitedly. Maybe I could put a message on the screen. Maybe I could tell my parents what happened to me. I swooped down to the computer, buzzing eagerly. Yes! The computer had been left on. What luck. I knew I wasn't heavy enough to push a power button. Would I be strong enough to type? A clear blue screen greeted me on the monitor. My heart pounding, I lowered myself to the keyboard and started hopping around the letters. Yes! I was heavy enough to make the keys go up and down. I paused, resting on the enter key. What should I type? What message should I put on the screen? What? 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 As I frantically thought, I heard Gary stir behind me on the bed. He let out a groan. He was waking up. Quick, I told myself. Type something. Type anything. He'll see it as soon as he gets out of bed. I hopped over to the letters and began to hop up and down, spelling out my desperate message. It was hard work. My B eyes weren't made for reading letters, and I kept leaping up and falling in the cracks between the keys. After eight or nine jumps, I was gasping for air. But I finished my message just as Gary sat up in bed and stretched. Floating up in front of the monitor, I struggled to read what I had typed. I am not B. I am Gary. Hello, me. Through my blurred vision, I saw that I missed the P in help and hit the O instead. I wanted to go back and fix it, but I was totally wiped out. I could barely buzz while well, you could if you flew. Would they understand? Would they read the message and see me standing on top of the monitor and understand? Gary would understand. I knew he would. Dirk Davis would figure it out. I climbed wearily to the top of the monitor and watched him climb out of bed. Here he comes, I saw eagerly. He brushed his hair out of his eyes. He yawned. He stretched again. Over here, I urged. Dirk, please, check out the computer monitor. Dirk, over here. He picked up a crumpled pair of jeans off the floor and pulled them on. Then he found a wrinkled t-shirt to go with it. Come on, Dirk, I pleaded, hopping up and down on top of the monitor. Read the screen, please. Chapter 19. Would he read it? Yes. Rubbing his eyes, Gary shuffled over to the computer. Yes! Yes! I nearly burst for joy as I watched him squint at the screen. Go ahead, Gary. Read it. Read it, I squeaked. He squinted at the screen some more, frowning. Did I leave that thing on overnight? He muttered, shaking his head. Wow, I must be losing it. He reached down and clicked off the power. Then he turned and made his way out of the room. Stunned, I toppled off the monitor, landing hard on the desk beside the keyboard. All that work for nothing. What was Gary's problem anyway? Doesn't he know how to read? I've got to talk to him, I told myself, pulling myself together. I've got to communicate with him somehow. I lifted my wings and floated up after him. I followed him through the kitchen and then slipped through a back door with him. As he strode across the grass, I started buzzing around his head, but he didn't pay any attention to me. He crossed the yard and opened our garage door. Then he went inside and brought out my old skateboard. I hadn't used that skateboard in at least two years. My uncle had given it to me for my 10th birthday and almost broke my leg trying to ride it. After that, I put it away and refused to touch it again. Don't you get on that thing, I yelled at Gary. It's dangerous. You might hurt my body and I want it back in one piece. Of course, Gary didn't even notice me. Instead, he carried the skateboard out in front of the house and put it down on the ground. A short while later, Caitlin and Judy walked up the sidewalk. I waited for them to start giggling and make fun of the new me. 
Hi, Gary, Caitlin said. She brushed some curly hair off her forehead and smiled. Are we late for our skateboarding lesson? Gary flashed her a big smile. No way, Caitlin, he answered in my voice. Want to head over to the playground like we did yesterday? I couldn't believe my ears. Skateboarding lesson? Head over to the playground like we did yesterday? What was going on around here? I hope you don't mind, Gary, Judy said. We told some of the other kids, like Gail and Louie, how good you are. They all said they can't wait to take a lesson from you, too. Is that okay? Because if it isn't, we can call them in. No problem, Jude, Gary broke in. Let's get going, okay? The new me hopped onto a skateboard and smoothly rolled his way down the sidewalk. Judy and Caitlin hurried after him. For a second, I was too shocked to move, but then I decided to follow them. As I swooped after them, I kept muttering to myself, I can't believe it. Lutz the Klutz is giving skateboard lessons at the playground? Everybody's waiting for him to show up? What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on, fam. Like, you literally made choices that are non-conducive to what the rest of the teenagers or kids in your neighborhood are doing. So they look at you like you're a geek. Then you, like, isolate yourself from them while you're playing your games on the computer with your with, with the online friends. Well, you're not even playing games on the computer. You're playing single-player games. You're not even playing with them. You're just talking with them in a chat room. So you isolate yourself from them. They never see you. When you come out, you know, there's no rapport. There's no nothing. You come out, you get beat up, they laugh at you. You come out, you fall, they laugh at you. If you took time out to learn how to do anything like Gary's doing or like Dirk's doing, they'll probably look at you like you're cool. But here's the problem. Once you get back to your body and they still expect skateboard lessons and you suck again, they're probably going to be even madder at you. I would think, personally. A few minutes later, the four of us had reached the playground. Sure enough, a whole gang of kids were waiting there for Gary. He put down his skateboard and started giving everyone pointers on boarding, as he called it. I buzzed over to him and started shouting in his ear again. Dirk, I shouted. Dirk Davis, it's me, the real Gary Lutz. Very casually, he swatted me away. I tried to speak to him again. This time, he swatted me really hard, sending me spinning to the ground. Trying to shake off the pain, I gave up. Dirk isn't going to help me, I realized. Miss Carmen is my only hope. After all, she was the one with all the equipment. She was the only one who could reverse what she had done. I flew onto a tree and tried to figure out which way to fly. When you're an insect, everything looks different to you. Things that seem small to a person appear huge to a bee, so I wanted to be sure I didn't get myself mixed up and fly off in the wrong direction. Standing on a big leaf, I gazed up and down the block until I was sure I knew which way to go. As I got ready to go, a large shadow suddenly loomed over my head. At first, I thought it was a small bird, but then I realized it was a dragonfly. Stay calm, I told myself. A dragonfly is an insect, isn't it? And insects don't eat each other, right? I guess no one had told the dragonfly. Before I could move, it zoomed down, wrapped its teeth around my middle, and bit me in two. 916-63... I'm just kidding. Chapter 20. I uttered a last gasp and waited for everything to go dark. It took me a few seconds to realize that the dragonfly had turned and buzzed off in the other direction. My imagination was running away with me. That's what happened when I got overtired. I took a deep breath, grateful to still be in one piece. I decided I had to use my remaining strength to get to Miss Carmen at the person-to-person vacations office. I rose up into the air, looked both ways for oncoming dragonfly traffic, then fluttered along. After a long, tiring trip, I floated past a street sign that told me I made it to the right block, Roach Street. I buzzed along the sidewalk until I came to the person-to-person building. Then I sat down on the stoop and tried to figure out how I was going to get inside. Luckily, as I rested on the warm cement, I saw a mailman marching up the street, stopping at each house along its route. Quickly, I flew over to the person-to-person entrance and checked it out. Just as I had hoped, there was a mail slot in the middle of the door. I buzzed over to the doorknob and waited for my chance. Slowly, the mailman trudged up to the building. Hurry up, I screamed at him. Do you think I have all day here? Of course, he couldn't hear me. I mean, if you talk to people like that in real life, I would, I would probably be mad at you too. 
I mean, you sound real demanding to be giving nothing back in return. And you think everybody's out to hurt you. Like, seriously, you are... You are literally the worst right now, Gary. I don't know how to tell you this. You are bad. Like, you have uh, stereotypical thoughts about everybody. Every B. Everything. Like, you need to just change your whole mood and temperament, dog. Because it ain't going to work. And as you get older, it's only going to get worse. He fumbled around in his bag and pulled out a bundle of letters. Then, slowly, he reached out and pushed open a mail slot. Before the mailman had a chance to react, I swooped down in front of his face and buzzed through the mail slot. As I zipped along, I heard him gasp, and I knew he had seen me. But for once, luck was with me. I moved so quickly, there hadn't been any time for the mailman to try and swap me. My luck held when I flew up the stairs. I just reached the top when the door to person-to-person vacations opened, and a girl about my age came out. She had long, curly red hair and a serious, thoughtful expression on her face. Was she thinking of trading place with someone? Go home, I shouted at her, and don't come back. Stay away from this place. Just look what happened to me. Even though I was screaming, the girl didn't even turn her head, but she left the door open just long enough for me to buzz into the person-to-person office. I flew across the waiting room and saw Miss Carmen, sitting in the same chair she had been in when I first met her. I shot right towards her and smacked into something hard. Pain roared through my body. I dropped to the floor, dizzy and confused. As my head began to clear, I remembered the glass wall separating Miss Carmen from the waiting area. Like some kind of brainless June bug, I crashed right into it. I shook myself to clear my mind. Miss Carmen, I yelled. Miss Carmen, it's me, Gary Lutz. Look what happened. Can you help me? Can you? Chapter 21 Miss Carmen didn't even glance up from her paperwork. Once again, I realized no one could even hear my squeaky insect voice. With a defeated moan, I sat down to the seat of the chair and curled up into a tiny ball. I'd come all this way for nothing, I'd realize. I had found the one person in the world who might be able to help me, and she couldn't even hear me. I give up, I whisper sadly. It's hopeless. I have to get used to the idea of being a bee forever. There's no way I'll ever get my old body back. I had never been so miserable in all my life. I wish someone would come along, drop into the chair, and sit on me. A strange sound startled me from my unhappy thoughts. I sat up straight and listened hard. It almost sounded like someone breathing. But how could that be? It was so loud. I floated up off the chair and buzzed around the room, trying to find out where the sound was coming from. I had circled the room twice before I figured it out. Miss Carmen was bending over to pick up something she had dropped on the floor. Her nose and mouth were only inches from the top of her desk, and the microphone she used to talk to people had picked up the sound of her breathing. Suddenly, I had a brilliant idea. If I could get to the other side of the glass, I could use the microphone to make Miss Carmen hear me. I swooped over to the wall and flew straight up to the ceiling. No luck there. The sheet of glass went all the way up. Nothing could stop it. There was no space for me to wedge myself through to the other side. I buzzed down to the place where the glass met the top of Miss Carmen's desk. Yes! There was a small slot in the glass. I remember how she had passed through a book of photographs on my first visit to the office. The slot wasn't very large, but it was plenty big enough for my round little bee body. I shot through a hole and jumped on top of the microphone. Miss Carmen! I shouted, putting my mouth next to the hard metal. Miss Carmen! Her eyes opened wide, her mouth dropped open in confusion. She stared out into the waiting room, searching for the person speaking. It's Gary Lutz, I called out, and I'm down here on your microphone. Miss Carmen stared down at the microphone, then her eyes narrowed in fear. What's going on? Who's doing this? Is is this a joke? No, I cried. It's no joke at all. It's really me, Gary Lutz. But, but, she stammered, but no other words came out. What's the joke? How are you doing that? Her voice was so loud, the sound waves nearly blasted me off the microphone. You don't have to yell, I cried. I can hear you. I don't believe this, she exclaimed in a trembling voice. She stared down at me. It's all your fault, I shouted angrily. You messed up the transfer operation. When you made the switch, one of my neighbor's bees must have gotten into the machine. So instead of putting me in a Dirk Davis's body, you, you put me into a bee. Miss Carmen blinked. 
Then she slapped her forehead. Well, that explains it, she cried. That explains why Dirk Davis's body's been behaving so strangely. She picked up some papers on her desk and started putting them into her briefcase. I really must apologize, she said. I feel really bad, Gary. We've never had a mix-up like this before. I, I, I hope... I hope it's at least been interesting for you. Interesting? I shrieked. It's been a nightmare. You wouldn't believe what I've been through. I've been attacked by screen doors, cats, fly swatters. You name it! You yourself almost ran me over with your car. All the color drained from her face. Oh no, she cried, her voice a whisper. I'm, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Well, what about it? I asked her impatiently. What about what? What about getting me back into my body? Can you do it right away? Miss Karma cleared her throat. Well, I could, she replied slowly. Normally, I could transfer you right back, but there was a slight problem in your case. What kind of problem, I demanded. It's Dirk Davis, Miss Karma replied. It seems he's become very attached to your old body. He likes your house and your parents, too. In fact, he even likes your sister, Chrissy. So, I cried, what's that supposed to mean? Miss Carmen stood up and pushed in her desk chair. It means, she said, that Dirk Davis is refusing to give up your old body. He says he absolutely won't go back to his old life. He plans to keep your body forever. You mean y'all don't have any contingency plans for that? Like, when the week is over, I was wondering what happened. Like, did they have to come back in or whatever? Like, and no contracts were signed. None of that. No warnings. No violation codes. No money was given. Like, y'all didn't think this far ahead that somebody might want to stay in a body? And also, I don't know why. Like, if he's so super cool in his own body, then why would he want to be in that body? But, I guess. Chapter 22. What? I screamed, hopping up and down angrily on the microphone. Just what I said, Miss Carmen said. Dirk Davis wants to keep your body for the rest of his life. But he can't do that, can he? It's very upsetting, she replied, biting her lower lip. It wasn't what he said in our original agreement, but if he refuses to get out of your body and your life, there's really nothing I can do. Mmm, y'all are lucky this is a children's book. I almost cussed her out. That is the worst. You are getting a horrible Yelp review. I don't care if I have to wait 17 years for Yelp to be invented and really be big and all that kind of stuff. I will leave a Yelp review. I will not forget this day. I'm a snitch. Miss Carmen gazed down at me sympathetically. I'm so sorry about this, Gary, she said softly. I guess I have to be more careful in the future. What about my future? What am I supposed to do now? I wailed. Miss Carmen shrugged. I don't I don't know. Maybe you can go back and wait in the hive. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Dirk Davis will change his mind. Back to the hive? My antenna stood straight on end, quivering with rage. Do you have any idea what it's like in there? Cramped together with those hairy bees in the darkness? Listening to that deafening buzz day and night? There shouldn't be a buzz, homie. They're not flying in the hive. It's a way of staying alive, Miss Conner replied bluntly. I, I don't care, I stammered. I'm never going back there. Never. This is tragic. Tragic, Miss Carmen cried. I'll give you a case and thought tonight, Gary. I promise. Maybe I can come up with a way of getting your body away from Dirk. She crossed the room and opened the office door. I'm so upset. So upset, she murmured. Then she disappeared out the door, slamming it behind her. <laughs> ah, Gary was like, you, you mother, you. Mm. Gary was like, yo, you got me stuck in this B-body. This is all your fault. I didn't sign any waivers. I'm stuck here because I didn't get to come to your office and get this done in a sterile environment. This is all your fault. What are you going to do? I'm, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. As she opens the door and slams it going home. <laughs> and I bet you as soon as she hit the other side of that door, she wasn't upset anymore. Oh, no. She was ready to go home. Trembling with anger at Dirk Davis, I hopped down to the desk. Hey, wait, I called after her. You locked me in. Miss Carmen was so upset she forgot about me. She she wasn't that upset. 
I rose up into the air and started after her. But then I happened to glance back down at her desk. Dirk Davis's questionnaire was right there on top of a pile of papers. His address was next to his name. He lived at 203 Eastwood Avenue. Eastwood Avenue was near the computer store, so I knew where it was. Maybe the old Dirk Davis will know how to get my body back, I told myself. It was worth a try. I ducked through the slot in the glass and flew around the waiting room. No exit. No open window. No crack in the door. Once again, I was trapped. Frantically, I buzzed all around the waiting room. Then I went back through the slot in the glass. I checked out the whole equipment room. Every window was closed tight. I flew past the calendar and happened to see the date. Oh no, I cried. It's Friday. It's the weekend. Miss Carmen might not come back to work for a whole two days. In two days, I realized I would starve to death. I had to get out. I went over to the far wall and noticed another door I hadn't seen before. I zipped through it. The room turned out to be a tiny bathroom with one window, which was open just a crack because somebody blew it up. That was all I needed. Hooray, I yelled. It was Miss Carmen. There was nobody else working there. Like, I think she owns the whole building. Hooray, I yelled. I shot out through the window and sailed into the open air. Then I turned right and headed for Eastwood Avenue. Oh, before you didn't know your directions, but now you can just fly off wherever you need to go, huh? Okay. Luckily, it wasn't very far away. All this flying around was really beginning to wear me out. For real, you only whine about it when it's not going your way. I found Dirk Davis's house without any trouble. When I got there, I saw Dirk himself, or whoever he was now, standing in the front yard. I recognized him from the picture I seen in the Person to Person album. Hey, I yelled to him. Hey, uh, Dirk. The tall, good-looking boy turned around and stared at me. His mouth moved, and it looked as if he was saying something. But I couldn't understand any words. All I heard was a humming sound. I'm Gary Lutz, I cried in my little voice. Can you help me get Dirk Davis out of my body? The boy stared at me. Then he grinned. I was confused. What was he grinning about? Hey, can you hear me? I cried. Now Dirk motioned with his hand. You want me to follow you? I asked. I felt excited. Are you taking me someplace where we can get help? Don't y'all kids know anything? You don't follow somebody. What? Why? What? No. He could be leading you into a spider web. I'm not saying that I used to feed wasps and bees to spiders and bugs and stuff to spiders because I thought it was interesting. I'm just saying I literally just saw a YouTube video where somebody fed a wasp to a spider because they thought it was interesting. So there's that. And that spider tore him up. And what's Gary going to do against a spider? That's right. Nothing. Ain't going to do nothing. Stand back and die. That's what he would do. Dirk grinned again. Then he turned and walked around the corner of the house. I didn't know where we were going, but I knew I had to follow him. I found Dirk in the backyard. Hum, he said to me. Hum. He pointed to a big rose bush and grinned. Then he stuck his nose deep inside of one of the blossoms. Hum, he said. Yum. I gaped at him in shock. Of course, I cried. You got the bee's mind when I got the bee's body. I still don't understand how that worked. How, how Dirk come out of this in his body? He should have ended up in the bee's body. And he should have ended up, I, I don't know. I don't know. None of this makes sense the older I am. Period. Dirk didn't say anything. When he pulled his face out of the rose, the end of his nose was covered with yellow pollen. Dirk looked a little surprised and disappointed. I guess he missed his long sucking tongue, the tongue that was now hanging off the front of my face. You can't help me, I muttered to him. You're in worse shape than I am. Hum, he replied. Hum? He looked kind of silly with that yellow nose, but I felt sorry for him. He and I had the wrong brains and the wrong bodies. I knew exactly how he felt. I'm going to go back to get help for both of us, I told him. If I get my body back, maybe you'll get yours too. With a loud buzz, I flew out of the Davis's yard. As I left, I thought I heard Dirk buzz back at me. No, you didn't because they buzzed by using their wings. All this research you did, and you didn't do that one tiny bit of research. Like, <clears throat> I glanced over my wing and saw him sticking his face into another rose. Maybe this time he'd have better luck getting the pollen out. I headed towards my own house. This time, I plan to make Dirk Davis give me my body back. Or else. 
As I turned up my street, I suddenly heard a familiar voice coming from behind a tree. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me, man. I couldn't believe it. The voice belonged to Marv. But who was he talking to? I shot around the tree to find out. To my surprise, I found out that Marv was talking to me or Dirk Davis in my body. Barry and Carl were right behind him. Look out, Dirk, I thought. Run, run. Please don't let them wreck my body. But it was too late. Barry, Marv, and Carl were closing in on him, about to give him the pounding of his life. Chapter 23 I flew closer. Look out, Dirk! Look out! I squeaked. But to my surprise, the three hulking creeps were moving in on Gary. They were backing away from him. Don't mess with me, Marv cried. I said I was sorry. We apologize, Barry whined. Don't hit us again, Gary, please. Carl whimpered behind him, nursing a bloody nose. You guys are losers, I heard Gary tell him. Take a hike. Go get a life. Okay, okay, Marv cried. Just no more rough stuff, okay, Gary? Gary shook his head and walked away. So if Dirk and Gary's little body just beat up three bullies that were beating him up, that means, again, that's a Gary problem. Because if Dirk was able to take all three of them and have them like, we don't want no smoke, then that means Gary could have taken all three of them and been like, we want no smoke. But he was too scared to make a move. Also, 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 there's this movie called Kids. It's not for kids, but there's a movie called Kids where one of the kids literally picks up his skateboard and smashes it against somebody's face. If you have a skateboard, you have a weapon. That's all I'm saying. Maybe he should become a better skateboarder. I don't believe this, I thought gleefully. Barry, Marvin, Carl were afraid of me. I decided I'd have some fun with them too. I swooped down and landed on Barry's nose, buzzing as loudly and menacingly as I could. Yow! He shrieked in surprise and swatted himself on the nose. I was too fast for him. I was already on Carl's ear. Carl cried out and toppled backwards into a thorny rose bush. Then I buzzed around and around Marv. Get away! He shouted angrily and I flew right into his mouth. His scream nearly deafened me, but it was worth it. Marv started spitting and choking and gagging. I flew up into the air, laughing so hard I nearly popped my antennas. This was the most fun I'd had since becoming a bee. I watched the three gorillas run away. Then I flew up the block to my house. There's a whole fable about a lion and a, and a uh, no, a lion, a rooster, and a donkey. And the donkey is walking by after the lion has just roasted him for all his food. The donkey is walking by as a rooster flies down behind the uh, lion and crows loudly, scaring the lion. The lion runs off. The next day, the lion roasts the donkey again for his food. And the rooster flies down, you know, minding his own business, and crows, and the crow scares the lion off. The lion runs away, and the donkey, feeling very brave because he just watched the rooster scare the lion off, chases the lion down. When he chases the lion down, he stands next to the lion and tries to crow at the lion. But the lion ain't scared of the donkey, and the lion turns around and tears him up literally murdering him. The moral of the story is, you can't do what I can do, so stop it. You ain't Dirk. You're a little bee who literally was scared like three minutes prior that Dirk was going to get beat up. You are a problem. You're one of those kids who will grow up and storm the Capitol. You are an issue. Ugh. Oh my gosh, I never thought I'd feel this way about this kid. Gary had left the window open, and I was able to shoot in. He was lying on the bed, reading one of my comic books and eating crackers with honey on them. The honey smelled really good, and I realized I was hungry again. I reminded myself to stop by a flower and get a snack the next time I went outside. But, meanwhile, I had work to do. I flew over and landed on Gary's earlobe. Hey, you! Dirk Davis, I yelled at the top of my little voice. I need to talk to you. He reached a hand up and flipped me off his face. I fell down and landed with a bounce on the bed. 
I buzzed angrily and shot right back up to his earlobe. Hey, you! I want my body back! You have to get out of it, now! Gary folded up his comic book and swung it at me. I buzzed with rage and frustration. I wasn't going to give up this time. No way. I had to make him hear me. I rocketed up in the air and landed on top of his head. Then I climbed down to his other earlobe and tried one more time. I'm not leaving you alone until you get out of my body, I screeched. Do you hear me? He sighed and shrugged his shoulders. Will you please quit bothering me, he asked. Can't you see I'm trying to relax? You can hear me? Yeah, sure, he muttered. I can hear you okay. You can? I was so surprised I almost fell off his ear. Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Weird, huh? I'm not sure why, but I think some B cells got mixed up with my human cells during our electronic transfer. I can hear all kind of little bug noises now. But that makes no sense, you know. This is me. That makes no sense because Gary, when he was at the person-to-person -person office, all he needed was two turntables and a microphone for Miss Carmen to hear him. It had nothing to do with her being mixed with a B. It was just, he was literally talking like a human. He didn't get on the mic and have unintelligible hum-hum sounds or anything like that. He spoke. So, is a Uchi Waller is a one mic? Can he talk like a human or does he sound like a bee and all of a sudden Dirk and Miss Karma can hear him? That makes no sense, fam. I don't like it. Your human cells? Those are my human cells, I cried. Dirk shrugged. Enough chit-chat, I told him. When do you plan to get out of my body? Never, he replied. He picked up his comic book and started reading it again. I like your body. I can't understand why you gave it up to become a bee. That wasn't my idea, I screamed. You got a good life here, he continued. I mean, you have great parents. Chrissy is an okay sister and Claus, Claus is an awesome cat. Too bad you didn't know all that when you were on your body, which is now my body. It's not your body, it's mine, give it back! I started to buzz furiously all around his head, swooping down in front of his nose, crashing into his ears, batting my wings in his eyes. Dirk Davis didn't even flinch. What's the matter with you anyway, I yelled. You're me now. You're supposed to be afraid of bees. Gary laughed. <laughs> You've forgotten something, he said. I'm not you. I'm just inside your body. I'm still me inside, and I'm not the least bit afraid of bees. And now, he went on, take a hike, okay? Buzz off. See what he did there? I'm busy. Frozen with anger and disappointment, I slumped on the bedspread without moving. Gary raised the comic book into the air. <laughs> I'd hate to swatch you, he said, but I will if I have to. I dodged away just as the comic book slapped down the bedspread. Then I shot back out the window. For a few minutes, I flew aimlessly around, lost in my sad thoughts. Finally, I remember how hungry I was. I perched on top of a big orange lily blossom and started sucking up some nectar. Not bad, I told myself as I drank. But honey on crackers would be much better. You hated honey, like literally. Man, forget you. What am I supposed to do now? I asked myself. It's all messed up now. Can you hear me? Huh? It's all messed up now. What am I supposed to do now, huh? What am I supposed to do now? I said it's all messed up now. Take that, take that, take that. What am I supposed to do now? I asked myself. Am I really doomed to be a bee for the rest of my life? I'm a bee. I'm a bee. I'm a bee. I'm a bee. I pulled my head out of the orange blossom and looked around. And how long is the rest of my life anyway? I remembered a page from the big book of bees. The life of the average bee is not very long. While the queen can live through as many as five winters, the workers and drones die off in the fall. In the fall? It was already nearly August. If I stayed in this bee body, I only had a month or two at most. I gazed sadly up at my house. Gary had turned the light on in my room, and it twinkled in the early evening dusk. How I wished I could be up there. Why? Why had I ever been stupid enough to think I'd be better off in someone else's body? Then I heard a buzz. I peered over the blossom. Sure enough, I saw a bee. He hopped up onto the flower. Two other bees quickly joined him. Then three more. They buzzed angrily. No, they 
Go away, I cried. I tried to fly away, but before I could lift off, they all swarmed over me. I couldn't move. The bees had taken me prisoner. Don't take me back to the hive, I shrieked. Don't take me back. But to my horror, they started to drag me away. Chapter 24 I struggled to squirm away, but they turned their stingers on me. Were they some kind of bee police? Did they think I was trying to escape the hive? I didn't have a chance to discuss it with them. They lifted me up into the air. There were bees in the front of me, bees behind, and bees on all sides. He bees in the trap. We flew past my bedroom window. Help, I called. Gary glanced up from his plate of crackers and honey. He smiled and waved at me. I was so angry, I thought I might explode. But then, an idea came to me. A crazy idea. A desperate idea. I buzzed as loudly as I could. Then I darted out a line and shot into the open bedroom window. Were the others following me? Were they? Yes. They didn't want me to escape. Gary sat up when he saw me and my buzzing followers. He rolled up his comic book, preparing to swat us. I circled the room, and the other bees followed. Get out! Get out! Gary screamed. There weren't enough of us, I decided. I needed a huge swarm. I flew back out the window. The others buzzed after me. Now I was the head bee. As fast as I could, I led my group back to Mr. Andretti's garage and in through a hole in the screen. I hesitated at the hive entrance. I took a deep breath. Was I really going to go back inside? I had no choice. Go for it, let's! I shouted to myself. I shot in through the entrance hole. Then I began bumping crazily through the hive, buzzing angrily, bumping the walls and bumping other bees. The hive stirred to life. The buzzing grew to a dull roar. Then a loud roar. Then a deafening roar. Round and round I raged, flying faster, faster, throwing myself frantically against the sticky hive walls, tumbling, darting, buzzing furiously. The entire hive was in an uproar now. I had turned the bees into an angry swarm. Out of the hive I flew, out into the darkening evening, out through the hole in the screen, up, up and away. And the bees swarmed after me, like a black cloud against a gray-blue sky. So you're telling me that you did the dance, like the drone, that, or like the scout that told them how to get to where Dirk was without knowing what you were doing at all. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm not even going to say it, but you know what that is, right? That's pretty much impossible. Up we swarmed, up, up, a buzzing, swarming funnel cloud, up, up. I led them up to the bedroom window, tumbling over each other, raging through the air. We swarmed into Gary's room. Huh? He jumped off the bed. He didn't have time to say a word. I landed in his hair. The raging swarm followed, buzzing angrily, surrounding him, covering his head, his face, his shoulders. Help! His weak cry was drowned out by the roar of the bees. Help me! I dropped down to the tip of Gary's nose. Have you had enough? I demanded. Are you ready to give me back my body? Never, he cried. I don't care what you do to me. You'll never get your body back. It's mine, and I'm keeping it forever. Whoa. I could not believe my ears. I mean, he was covered in bees, and he still wouldn't listen to reason. I didn't know what to do. The other bees were starting to lose interest. Some of them drifted to the plate of honey. Most of them floated back out the window. You can't get away with this, Dirk, I screamed. With a furious wail, I whirled around. Then, I stabbed my razor-sharp stinger deep into the side of Gary's nose. Ow! He let out a high-pitched shriek and grabbed at his nose. Then he staggered backwards and fell over onto the bed. Yay! I yelled out in celebration. For one instant, I felt triumphant. A tiny bee had defeated a huge enemy. I was victorious. I had won a fight against a giant. My celebration didn't last very long. I suddenly realized what I had done, and I remember what happened to a honeybee after it stung someone. I'm gonna die, I murmured weakly. I stung someone, and now I'm gonna die. That's, that's what you get. Like, what were you expecting was gonna happen? You thought you were gonna rile up the rest of those bees to go on there and attack Gary. That's what you really wanted. You really wanted them to attack Dirk. Be real. And then they would have died, and you would have felt nothing. Like, you literally went back and found things that you don't even like and used them to your will to take care of somebody else. That's selfish. Chapter 25 
weaker. I felt the strength drain from me, weaker and weaker. What have I done? I asked myself. And you just killed the, the, the real bee. Like, if he gets back into his body, you literally just disconnected him. Huh. What have I done? I asked myself. I gave up my life for the chance to sting Dirk Davis. Why was I such a jerk? I don't know. I struggled to keep my wings moving, struggled to stay in the air. I knew I was doomed, but I wanted to stay alive as long as I could. Maybe, I thought, as I felt my strength fading, maybe I'll have a chance to tell my family goodbye. Mom, Dad, Chrissy, I buzzed faintly. Where are you? It was hard to breathe. I felt so tired, so weak. I floated out of the window and sank to the grass below. I thought I recognized the shape of the old maple tree where I used to read and spy on Mr. Andretti. But my sight was so bad, it was hard to be sure about anything. The whole world swirled in gray shadow. I could no longer hold up my head. The gray shadows grew darker and darker. Into the world faded completely from view. I sat up slowly. The ground spun beneath me. Where was I? My backyard? I blinked, struggling to bring it all into focus, waiting for my eyes to clear. There's the old maple tree, I cried. And there's my house. And there's Mr. Andretti's house. Was I alive? Was I really alive, sitting in my backyard, seeing all the familiar places? Did I have my strength back? I tried to test it. I tried to spread my wings and fly up into the air. But for some reason, my wings didn't seem to be working. My body felt heavy and strange. I frowned and looked down, inspecting myself to see what was wrong. Whoa, I cried out in surprise. Instead of six legs, I saw two arms and two legs in my skinny old body. Breathlessly, I reached up to touch my face. My extra eyes were gone, and so were my antennas and my layer of feathery fuzz. Instead, I felt hair and smooth human skin. I jumped up and shouted for joy. I'm a person again. I'm me. I'm me. I threw my arms around my chest and gave myself a hug. Then I danced around the backyard, testing my arms and legs. They worked. They all worked. I couldn't get over how wonderful it was to be a human again. But how did it happen, I asked myself. What happened to Dirk Davis? For a chilling instant, I wondered if Dirk had been forced into a bee's body the way I had. Probably not, I decided. But what had happened? How did I get my body back? Was it the bee sting? Did the shock of the sting send us all back to the bodies we belonged in? I've got to call Miss Carmen and find out, I realized. But for now, all I wanted to do was see my family. I hurried up the back steps and into the house. As I ran through the kitchen, I crashed right into Chrissy. As usual, she was carrying claws under one arm. Watch where you're going, Chrissy snapped at me. She probably expected me to snap back at her and try and push her out the way. But instead, I grabbed her shoulders and gave her a big hug. Then I planted a kiss on her cheek. Yuck! Gross! She cried and wiped the cheek with her hand. I laughed happily. Don't give me your cooties, creep! Chrissy cried. You're a creep, I replied. No, you're a creep, she repeated. You're a jerk, I shouted. It felt so good to be calling her names again. See, you learned nothing. At all. I gleefully called her a few more things. Then I hurried upstairs to see my parents. I met them as they were coming out of my room. Mom! Dad! I cried. I hurried to them, planning to throw my arms around them. But they thought I was just trying to get into my room. Don't go in there, Gary, warned my dad. You left your window open again and a swarm of bees got in there. You better go next door, Mom said. Get Mr. Andretti. He'll know how to get him out. I couldn't hold back any longer. I threw my arms around my mother's neck and gave her a big kiss. Mom, I missed you so much. My mother hugged me back, but I saw her exchange a curious look with my dad. Gary, she asked, are you okay? How could you miss me when you've been right here in this house? Well, I thought fast. I meant that I miss spending time with you. We really need to do more things together. My mother spread one hand over my forehead. No, no temperature, she told my father. Gary, Dad said impatiently, would you mind running over and getting Mr. Andretti? If we don't get those bees out of your room, you'll never be able to go to sleep tonight. Why doesn't his dad talk to Mr. Andretti? Are you, like, scared of the dude? Like, honestly, he was openly bullying your son, and you did nothing. Like, I, I don't know. I think he's, like, the dad from, um, from... Back to the future. I feel like he's George McFly and Andretti is Biff. Biff Andretti. 
bees, I said casually. Hey, no problem. I'll take care of them. I reached out and started to open my door. Before I could, Dad grabbed my arm. Gary, he cried in alarm. What's the matter with you? There's bees in your room. B-E-E-S. Don't you remember? You're scared of bees. I stared back at him and thought about what he had said. To my surprise, I realized I was no longer the slightest bit afraid of bees. In fact, I was actually looking forward to seeing them again. Word. No problem, Dad, I told him. I guess I must have outgrown that or something. I opened the door and went into my room. Sure enough, there was an old swarm buzzing away over the plate of honey and crackers on the bed. Hi, guys, I said cheerfully. Time to leave now. I walked over to the bed and waved my hands at them, trying to shoot them back out the window. A few of them buzzed angrily at me. I laughed to myself. Then I picked up the plate of crackers and honey and dumped it out of the window. Go get it, I told them. I shooed them gently out the window. Goodbye, I called them as they left. Thanks. Take good care of the honeycomb. I'll try and visit as soon as I can. When the last bee was gone, I turned around and saw my parents. They were standing absolutely motionless in the doorway, staring at me, frozen with shock. Dad, I said. Mom? My dad blinked and seemed to come back to life. He crossed the room and put a hand on my shoulder. Gary, are you feeling all right? Just fine, I replied, grinning happily. Just fine. Chapter 26 That whole crazy adventure happened about a month ago. Now it's nearly fall. I'm sitting in my favorite place under the maple tree in the backyard, reading a book and chomping down taco chips. I just love coming out here. All the fall flowering plants are in bloom and the yard is really pretty. I've been spending the last few days of my summer vacation relaxing back here. Of course, I also go to the playground a lot. The other day, I ran into that girl with the red hair I saw coming out of the person-to-person office. We started talking, and I didn't trip over my own feet or anything. She seems really nice. I hope she doesn't plan to switch lives with anybody else. That conversation and a lot of things made me realize that my short life as a bee has really changed me. First of all, it taught me to appreciate my family for the first time ever. My parents are pretty nice, and my sister's okay, for a sister. And now, I'm not scared of any of the things I used to be scared of. Yesterday, I walked right by Marv, Barry, and Carl, and I didn't bat an eye. Well, that's because Dirk literally beat them all up for you. You're welcome. In fact, when I remember how I buzzed them, I almost burst out laughing. I'm not scared of them anymore, and I'm different in other ways, too. I'm a lot better at sports and bike riding and things, and I'm a great skateboarder now. How did this happen? What? How did this happen? Is this the mixing of the DNA that Dirk was talking about? Like, what? What? Okay. In fact, I still give lessons. Judy and Caitlin hang around me all the time. And Gail and Louie, too. The other day, I actually ran to Dirk Davis at the playground. At first, I didn't want to talk to him. But then he turned out to be pretty nice. He apologized to me. I'm sorry I tried to steal your body, he said. But things didn't turn out so well for me, either. That bee flunked all my math tests in summer school. What, did your parents drive from the school and drop him off? How would a bee know to go to school? Like, as soon as they got into the classroom, they hummed buzz until they got back out, right? They bump up against the wall or something? We both had a good laugh about that. And now Dirk and I are friends. So, all in all, my life is back to normal. I feel terrific. Totally normal. In fact, I feel much better than normal. It's so great to sit here in the backyard reading and relaxing, smelling the fresh fall air, enjoying the flowers. Mmm... Those hollyhocks are really awesome. Excuse me a moment while I get up and take a closer look. That blossom down near the ground is so perfect. I think I'll get down on my knees to take a quick taste. Do you know how to suck the pollen out? I figured out the best way. It's not as hard as it looks. You just pucker your lips and stick your tongue way out like this, you see? Then you dip your face down into the blossom and you suck up all the pollen you want. Try it. Go ahead. Mmm. Go ahead. It's easy, really. The end. Uh, I, I liked that book much better when I was a kid, and I didn't know how adults worked. But that kid, I know he grew up to be a jerk. And for him to get things that he didn't deserve, while apparently Dirk didn't get anything, you know, and the, the bee died. I don't know. 
I don't like it. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it. I literally tripped the kid. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my dad,